It is June 4th, 2021. This is the Wrestling Inc. podcast. I'm Glenn Rubenstein, joined by Alfred Kanawa and NYC Demon Diva herself. Issa, good to see you both talking about SmackDown on Fox tonight. Uh, if you think sometimes these matches are repetitive, strap in, folks. Twice in one night. But uh, we'll talk about it. We'll talk about where that's going. We'll talk about what's happening. But before we dive into that, Alfred, what's going on in the news? Well, uh, the raw ratings, at least the corrected raw ratings, are out. And uh, what was previously believed to be the lowest rated raw in the history of the show has been updated. Is now drew a average viewership of one point five five seven, I believe. Yes, one point five five seven million viewers on the USA Network. That is, I believe, their second lowest uh, viewership in show history. So, still not a very wow. good number. Uh, it was a show that, uh, you know, it's kind of surprising. It's not surprising because it was Memorial Day, but WWE did at least announce a match ahead of time that had WWE title implications with Kofi Kingston versus Drew McIntyre, and they really built it up throughout the show, but uh, it did a very, very bad number. So uh, what are you guys' thoughts of the number in Raw as of late? Uh, I kind of figured the original number that was reported was a mistake. It just seemed too low for it. Um, but I'm not surprised with Memorial Day weekend. I don't know what they were competing against as far as playoff games. I can't remember what game was on a Monday. But I don't know. By the time you got to Drew McIntyre and Kofi Kingston, which was predictable finish, but the mm. match itself was really good. I feel like the, you yeah. you lost your entire freaking viewership by that point. They probably should have just had it open the show at least, you know. But yeah, I'm not I'm not surprised by this. Monday Night Raw has felt the same for the last 10 weeks. Last 10 years. Um, <laughs> maybe I'm secretly a Nielsen family. I stopped watching Raw and then you know, the ratings. Just took a nosedive. Yeah, maybe that's it. <laughs> what else do we got, Alfred? Well, it looks like WWE is looking to move toward hiring more minority uh, wrestlers as well as female producers. Uh, according to the Wrestling Observer Newsletter, they're going to start moving away from signing quote-unquote ROH-type talents like the smaller guys who can go in favor of bigger, younger guys and then also women producers. Uh, so Molly Holly was said to have gotten a tryout as a producer, so she might be brought on board. But WWE clearly now looking to bring in uh, younger people into the fold as well as women in terms of producers. Do you guys think this is going to have uh, much of an impact on the product moving forward? I mean, yeah, I do, but it just seems counterproductive when you just did all this layout for them to come out and talk about new hirings, <laughs> you know. But oh. at the end of the day, I can, I can, I, I think mixing it up a little bit is a good thing for them. They need it. I love that they're trying to diversify the roster more and diversify the producing staff more. The real question is, though, once they're signed are they going to be used in a meaningful way? Are they going to be showcased? Are they going to be put into meaningful storylines and given the opportunity to break through the monotony and oftentimes uh, lesser treatment of talent that don't fit, you know, the upper management's cookie cutter image of what they think a male or female superstar looks like. So I think uh, in spirit, this is a great move. We'll see how it works in execution. Yeah, and that's a great point that in spirit, it is a great move. I mean, it's fine that they announced this, that, and the other, but how many things has WWE changed and tweaked and toyed with? As long as Vince and Bruce, the two middle-aged 60-year-olds, are 
booking the product, nothing really changes. Like you can have Eric Bischoff in there, Paul Heyman in there. You can you can get me in there. It doesn't matter who goes through WWE. It's not going to change. And I don't think this is going to be much of a change either. I like the fact that they're emphasizing, you know, more inclusion or whatever they're trying to do in terms of that. Maybe they will stumble upon somebody who uh, gives them a breath of fresh air in terms of how they think. But uh, I'll just have to see it to believe it. Because, I mean, how many changes we've, we've seen from WWE uh, that just really didn't lead to much? Yeah. An audience of one, like CM yeah. Punk said on that tweet. That was that tweet was too real. Absolutely, <laughs> and that's what I thought about too. Yeah, you're absolutely right. Yeah. He said. A lot of times because I see like, his tweet, and I'm like, he's gaslighting this and that. But that tweet, I was like, I nobody else could have described it better than he did on that tweet. Right. A lot of talent WWE that because of the way it's written just kind of goes unrecognized. Uh, our, our final news story uh, regards uh, continued talk between New Japan and WWE. So the Wrestling Observer Newsletter reported that uh, it wasn't Nick Khan who was the first person to reach out, although he is a point person right now. WWE, of course, has been talking to New Japan for a little bit now of a possible working relationship. Uh, Daniel Bryan is said to have something to do with this, but uh, it was noted, and this is what I found interesting, that the talks very well may go as far as they did um, in terms of WWE trying to purchase pro wrestling Noah, Stardom, Big Japan, and whatnot. Uh, of course, those ended with no deals in place. But what do you guys think about the potential of WWE absorbing New Japan? What do you think that would do to the pro wrestling landscape? I think New Japan will benefit from it as far as getting more eyes on their product, especially from the American side. I feel like New Japan is it's a company that we all know it, but you still can't don't know how to find it, where to watch mm. it. And I do feel like yeah. that will benefit them. Um, but it will close the doors in a lot of really cool things that we're seeing happening outside of WWE that, listen, in my opinion to them, it could be intimidating because I do think that all these companies coming together could be the way to take them down. So if they could avoid that from happening, why wouldn't they? Yeah. Yeah. It'll be interesting. I, I'm curious culturally how the business cultures would merge. Yeah. Like, you know, be able to work together. Yeah, and apparently this is being done for more of a working relationship. Uh, just hypothetically, but it would be done with NXT, not necessarily on the level of having the top guys yeah. go back and forth, which I wouldn't be able to see anyway. But that's, you know, it could be exciting with NXT. Yeah, because I just had this this image in my head where they were like, we have to keep Vince away. From, Vince is going to say something. <laughs> He's going to embarrass us in the company. Triple H is our guy. He will be polite. He will not get us in any hot water. Keep Vince out of this. <laughs> I mean, yeah. <laughs> well, before yeah. we move forward, uh, I do want to make a quick housekeeping note. Uh, our own NYC Demon Diva has entered the official uh, definition on Urban Dictionary of gas station weasel. So I'm sharing it in the chat right now, and I need everybody to take a second and upvote this. We want to <laughs> get this as the official definition of gas station weasel, which is one of professional yeah. so who's on a losing streak, is trying to sneak his or her way into a match. That is the official definition of gas station weasel. Let's upvote that, you guys. Let's go. Absolutely. <laughs> Head on over to Urban Dictionary. So we're going to get into SmackDown. We had two championship matches for the SmackDown tag team titles tonight. Uh, there was a lot going on. A lot of tag team drama tonight. But first, just want to give, uh, let's keep the chat spoiler free. I know we've got some people that are not here in the chat tonight um, and they're going to watch this later on demand. So let's try and keep it spoiler free because, uh, you know, half of our audience, 
wants to tune into the Paramount Network where Elle Woods has it all. She wants nothing more than to be Mrs. Warner Huntington III, but there's one thing stopping him from proposing. She's too blonde. Elle rallies all of her resources and gets into Harvard, determined to win him back in Legally Blonde on the Paramount Network, which is just decimating the viewership for this podcast right now. So much can Elle prove herself, perhaps uh, advance in her career and in life and learn a little something about herself. Legally Blonde on the Paramount Network. Now, no spoilers, because I don't remember all that. I'm DVRing Legally Blonde while we're doing the podcast here. I'm going to watch it later. But uh, just let's try and keep it a Legally Blonde spoiler-free zone in the chat. <laughs> this Liz. is the best gimmick in wrestling right now. You got to do this every it single is. week because you caught me again. I didn't know where you're going with that. So I know. I know. It's counterproductive. I, I honestly try to skip the podcast so that I could watch Legally Blonde. It's one of my favorite moments. But, you know, Raj said no way that, you know, I, I know. He said you can't use it's Legally so Blonde as an excuse again. And I was like, I know. damn it. <laughs> He's on vacation. What's what's he gonna know? He's on. The, he's tweeting on the beach. He's live tweeting along to Legally Blonde right now from the beach yes, on vacation, probably. rather <laughs> instead of doing this podcast. <laughs> Everybody, ask Raj. Tweeted him. Ask him who's his favorite character on Legally Blonde, and does he prefer this, the Legally Blonde two or the direct-to-video Legally Blonde's sequel that came out in the mid aughts? <laughs> Hit Raj Geary up with those tweets. Yes, so please. SmackDown tonight. Oh, SmackDown. Dominic Mysterio and his father, Ray, <sighs> against the Usos for the title. Title matches tonight. A lot going on. A lot of big storylines really building what we're going to see at Hell in a Cell. And um, I have to admit, this felt real. This The, the ending, the, the sloppy finish to this with the Mysterios retaining felt real. I'm sure that was intentional. I'm assuming that was intentional. Yeah. To have the pin with the shoulders up, but it felt very real. Uh, they they got me, you know. I like, uh, but what did you think of uh, Issa first the opening match tonight? I I'm going to completely ignore that and go to the opening promo that Roman oh, yeah. Reigns cut when he acted all supportive and he kind of warned them because he set the tone for the entire night and how the night went and Roman Reigns just telling them, hey, if you're called the shots, that's fine, but get the job done because when I call yeah. the shots, I get the job done and I was like, oh man, if they don't beat them, they're going to be in trouble. Like I felt he was being supportive, but I felt so scared for the Usos at that moment. I was like, these guys don't get it done. It's over for them. <laughs> Like they're gonna get like thrown back to Samoa somewhere and never coming back. Um, so I just I thought that set the stage. I know he tweeted a super supportive tweet earlier too, and I was like, this is sus. Like this whole thing is suspicious. I don't like it. I feel bad for the Usos. That being said, the match was a match, um, and I was like, oh, this is opening. Okay, you know, whatever. I I saw why. I I, I wasn't blown away by the match. The finish went ahead and it was just setting up for the rest of the show. I thought they were going to set it up for next week, though. I didn't think we were going to get the same match twice yeah. in one night. That felt, for SmackDown, that didn't feel like the normal thing that they usually do. Um, and that's that. <laughs> I, I will yeah. say a couple of things. It was overbooked, but a couple of things about the dynamic of having these two matches. Kind of like Issa is saying that you're scared for the Usos if they don't win. Uh, the fact that they face the possibility of losing twice kind of created that twofold. We're just like, oh man, if they lose two times tonight, like Roman's going to be like super pissed. So I thought that a, a little bit helped it. And then um, also, as much as I didn't like the finish in the second uh, match, I really did like what they did after. I think what they did after really saved it and kind of makes me more interested in that this is now the second week in a row where I'm really looking forward to tuning in to see where they go with the story. Last week, 
it's like you're wondering whether or not they're going to win the tag team titles. And this week they're taking another turn and they're putting Jay in the middle again. Uh, and I did wonder in the main event, I could see the Usos winning. I thought that that's what the finish yeah, was going to be. He loves it's 50-50 booking. So even though they did do two title matches, this title match made you kind of think, you know, it could go either way. So it at least made it interesting. Okay, so here's my prediction based on what we saw tonight. We'll talk about this, but I need to get this thought out right now. Um, they rebook this match for Hell in a Cell, the Usos versus the Mysterios. Roman interferes again. This time, who makes a surprise appearance coming to raise aid? John Cena, setting up a three-on-three match for Money in the Bank back in front of a crowd because we've heard rumors they want to bring Cena back for something with a live audience. Then that leads to Roman versus Cena at SummerSlam. Okay. <laughs> that, could, that could work. No, I like that. I kind of like that. But you know what? Now that I think about it, because they did reference this again on this show, what I'd kind of like to see, and they're probably not going to do this, but some version of the reverse happening to Roman Reigns to where Jimmy Uso is uh, oh, beating yeah. the hell out of Roman Reigns with a kendo stick and choking him out the way Roman Reigns choked him out this time last year at Hell in a Cell. I think they created like kind of a poetic justice scenario. I don't know how they would get to that. I don't know if it would just oh, yeah. be... You know, Jimmy Uso was just fed up with Roman Reigns getting in the business. Well, but some type of confrontation between Jimmy Uso and Roman Reigns needs to yeah, happen in that cell to tell, like, a symmetrical story. Jimmy did bring it up in the opening segment when yep. Roman Reigns said, okay, it's time for you to acknowledge me. He said, I did Uso last year at Hell in a Cell, don't yeah. you remember? So I did think that that's, that that's exactly what came to my mind when he said that. Um, I was expecting for them to go to a clip because, you know, they tend to do that oh, a lot. Yeah. But yeah. Alfred, I, that's what I thought about too. I was like, "Oh, this is leading. Somebody's fighting Roman and Helena, so I think it's gonna be Jimmy." But you, but you think with one week's build, you think next Friday they're gonna hot shot that? They've been for... building this for weeks. Yeah, they have, like anybody other than Jimmy would be a hot shot to me. Like I've been hearing yeah. that it's not gonna be Jimmy. That like uh, they're not gonna do Jimmy Uso versus Roman Reigns. But you know, I I can't see them doing anything else. Anything else with one week build. How would you explain, no. unless it's Jimmy or Jay, how would you be able to explain how Roman Reigns has a one-week feud with somebody? He doesn't. He he hasn't even, and there's nobody even on his level right now that could come in and fight him for the Universal title at this point. He's not worried about anything else but his cousins. Yeah, it really, this is like fortunate timing for WWE, whether or not they want to do this match. Jimmy versus Roman inside the cell is poetic, it makes sense, and it's the story that they've been telling since the Cesaro feud, which I was over that midway through because of Jimmy Uso. Oh, yeah. Why won't he just acknowledge him as the tribal chief? There's craziness going on in Legally Blonde right now. Just saying. <laughs> Don't spoil it for me. I know this is a twist. Dog is so cute. Uh, but uh, everyone right now, text your cousins tonight and say, why won't you acknowledge me as the tribal chief? And oh, I do it all the time. Tweet the screenshot the reactions to me at Glenn Rubenstein. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, the promo was great. I liked, I just, I feel like they're not going fully. Maybe they will. Maybe next week we'll be on the path. Cause I want to see it. I want to see Jimmy versus Jay is what I really want to see. Oh, in the cell. I think it'll be, it's too soon for the cell. They can't, they got to yeah. build it up more. Yeah. 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 Well, I mean, obviously based on the ending, like you're obviously seeing Jay's the weakest link and they're both trying to like, really like. Pulling, pull him in a different direction. So yeah. I mean, I, I can see that match eventually happening, and I just don't want them to split up. That's all. I'm tired of that thing splitting up. I, know, so I want them to work together, this out be somehow. So be okay, so I actually have a legit uh, spoiler alert. If the chat is true, uh, if you guys don't want to hear this, honestly, this is about AEW, and I think this is something oh. that we should really bring to light. 
a spoiler alert, so mute me if you don't want to hear this. Uh, Andrade has made his debut in AEW. Yes. So, uh, that just happened. Andrade yes. is in AEW. That, that okay. was the craziness I was referring to, but, you know, I was keeping paper. <laughs> it's exciting. I mean, AEW's, I, th I think, though, good for Andrade, but I think with these last cuts, we're going to now see where the rubber meets the road in terms of right. where AEW draws a line and says, yeah. this is who we're interested in. And this is who we're not, which, because I mean, this, these last cuts, man. Yeah. But there's a lot of talent under prime that I will say oh, yeah. they need to sign. Like who cares if you're signing rejects, who cares what people are going to say? These people have years left of their best wrestling. You need to get on them. Yeah. So, yeah I wouldn't be critical of them signing a couple of these people. That oh, would I would just be like, oh. Yeah, I know. I think they, they could make a case for signing any and all of them. I'm saying it'll be interesting mm -hmm. who they don't go for. Yeah, right. no, that's a good point, Glenn. And But as they expand, too, because you know they're going to have that Rampage show, uh, you'd imagine. I mean, they already have the Elevation and Dark, so they've got a lot of right. time and content to fill. So uh, having more of these guys under contract isn't uh, that bad of a thing. And I've heard a lot of that conjecture about, oh, we don't want too many WWE guys, which is true. You don't want them to be branded by WWE or not, but AEW is starting to kind of build credibility with fans by fixing a lot of WWE guys. Like Brody yeah. Lee yeah. uh, was a complete re revelation in AEW, uh, as is Cody, as is John Moxley, you know, we see a lot of people go from kind of their WWE version to the AEW version, which is superior. So if they have a lot of WWE guys who can revitalize themselves in AEW. I don't have a problem with that. But what's this going to mean for all those first wave indie talents that AEW signed who yeah. didn't get the the break? You know what I mean? Like that's what I'm saying is like the potential is that it's going to disrupt i think what a lot of people thought aew was going to be in terms of like homegrown talents taking the indies elevating it you know change the tone point, at some point i feel like this whole awwe reject critic has to stop because wwe was full of indie slash ring of honor impact rejects before aw even existed and now aw is picking them up before they even become big on the indies so i feel at one point it's going to be an aw and wwe reject song and that's all that there's yeah. going to be left for people to play with yeah, it's eventually they're going to start going, just give it some time to where they start going back and forth and WWE starts signing AEW guys. Then that whole conversation is going to kind of subside. But as for now, it's like AEW is the only one that can take WWE guys because all the AEW guys are on a contract. So the time will come where they will get to go to WWE if yeah. they feel like their talents aren't being seen or, or they're playing second fiddle to somebody. Yeah, I wonder though how much WWE, I don't know. It'll be interesting. I wonder from a cost-cutting point of view, you know, this is actually really terrible, but th this thought just occurred to me. Th with this new initiative where they're saying we're not going to hire the indie guys, I wonder if somebody in business did the math and said, you know what, homegrown talent, a homegrown talent contract costs us half or, you know what I mean? Like it's it's more cost effective for right. them to find, recruit and nurture talent rather to bring in established talent. I wonder if... That's yeah. true. I mean, they also might have been looking at the television ratings going down, being like, That's "All right, true. we need, <laughs> we need the whole Hogan's back." So this is like classic Vincent. Anytime the ratings go down, yeah. he just wants to go big, and so he starts pushing bigger guys. You're seeing yeah. almost on TV more. Uh, he probably just wants people that would. Why you know, Braun Strowman? Why did Braun Strowman get cut? Yeah, no, good, I mean, they were already grooming almost to pretty much take his place. So maybe he has a quota on Giants, and Braun was making a lot of money. So I think. That con that's why I kind of think that he might come back if he's willing to take a pay cut. And oh, he's yeah. also a very WWE guy, but he's making a lot of money, and this is a financial decision.
Yeah, no yeah. return on investment with him right now, but that's your fault because he was up there as he could have been your biggest star and you didn't pull the plug then and then he just fell down the ladder and you were yeah. paying him as if he was still up here, you know? Yeah. Well, we're not going to go off the rails talking about Legally Blonde tonight because we have oh, SmackDown. Oh, come on. Damn it. Ever. <laughs> And this backstage, okay, so I, I really bought it hook, line, and sinker that that was a ref botch when uh, yeah, yeah, uh, his shoulder when Jimmy uh, his shoulders were up and he got pinned and the Mysterios won. Uh, the promo after though, backstage, Roman like yeah. insulting Jay by calling him Jimmy. That's goat, that's goat stuff oh, right there. Cool. Oh, he's so good right now. <laughs> <laughs> so good. I, I was thinking, like, when he said that, I was like, why don't they make Roman look like an idiot? Like, are they doing comedy with Roman? But, like, he was being Machiavellian. He was just trying to, oh, well, what does it matter? Like, what a jerk. <laughs> I love I it. I know. I know. I was like, and that's exactly where you you can see that he's doing his best work right now because that was, like, one of the best burns. And it took you a second because I was actually recording my reaction. And I'm, like, sitting here thinking, why is he staring at Jay the whole time he's saying this? Yeah. And then he just threw it at you. And I was like, oh, my God. Like, what a jerk. But... In a good way, you know. <laughs> so here's the biggest challenge WWE has. Okay, so Roman versus Cena at SummerSlam. That makes it all the sense in the world. Roman going mm -hmm. over. They need to build someone. Start building someone fast because unless Brock comes back, like but Brock needs to go to, to Raw. Okay, but and who's Raw gonna be at Roman's like level? Is Seth gonna There's be at Roman's level? He could, but they're not really yeah. doing much with him right now. I think I think there's money in a Seth and Roman's feud if done yeah. the right way. It can't be this Seth Rollins though. It's gotta be no. <laughs> Seth Rollins. Like Roman Reigns with this guy, I don't know what they'd be able to do. Seth the only Super. thing that I fear about that is um the face turn of either one of them because they both work better as heels. So I would have I would get afraid of them trying to do that feud and saying, Oh, we gotta turn one of them face because they don't need to be face. You can right. do heel on heel in this case. Yeah. So um, the Seth interview backstage, asking when Cesaro's coming back. Uh, short, sweet, to the point. The suit Those was suits. beautiful. Yeah, yeah he looks. He's on point. <laughs> but that, if that's not your the style, Glenn, you don't it's like not that it's not my style. But it's like I think he's upstaging himself. You know what I mean? It's like I don't know. You don't yeah, there really so is. There's a lot going on with this gimmick. Uh, it, it's it's just like you know. Sometimes I mean, I'm always the first person to compliment him when he drips, when he's got you know good gear on or whatnot in terms of his jackets. But it's all working to kind of create this like caricature almost instead of like a guy oh, yeah. who you want to hear his intentions. Why are you mad at somebody? There's no way I can take Seth Rollins seriously because he's just so he's over the top in a bad way. I think. Let me right. break this down into terms that every wrestling fan can understand explicitly. When we started talking about more what Cher was wearing than the song Cher was singing, <laughs> we knew that, yes, she was in a different stratosphere as an icon, but she wasn't necessarily a superstar artist anymore as a vocalist. And with Seth, right. when we're talking more about what he's wearing than the feuds he's in, the promos he's cutting, the matches he's having... I think he's entering that share phase of his career. And uh, the next stop is a uh, G-string and performing on a Navy battle cruiser. <laughs> and then the comeback 10 years later. Don't, don't, don't forget about that. Yeah. Auto-tune, yeah. man. Auto-tune. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I will say, I will say I felt that was the weakest, not outfit wise, but just like what they're doing with him. And I don't know if it's like, are they going to keep the Cesaro field going? It's not, 
it's not it, you know? So I don't know. I, I, I wasn't into it. And I'm usually into Seth Rod. Like, I like what he's doing. But I do agree with you, Alfred. It is over the top. But when he comes out dressed like that, do you expect him to go out there and cut a normal promo? And not no, no, yeah. Top, no. You know? So it's just like, I think he's matching his persona. Um, But, yeah, I, I think all Seth Rollins and Roman Reigns is a, is a money field, but not this Seth Rollins, no. Yeah. He will have to get take 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 wrestling seriously again in order for that field to work. Did you guys see what he put in Kayla Braxton's hand? Because I didn't see what it, Did he put I something didn't. in her hand? I, I thought he did, but I didn't see it. I don't know if he was doing a joke where it was oh, I think it was, uh, that was the mic. I thought it was when we took the mic off. Oh, like a lab. Oh. Okay. I just I, worry that Seth Rollins is becoming the Ralph Trezvan of the Shield. <laughs> oh, my God. I can't with you. I I'm can. just putting it out there. <laughs> the child Destiny's child, although she did have a good career afterward. Clearly, Roman is the Bobby Brown. I mean, I think that no just being that oh, Dean yeah. Ambrose, John Moxley, he's the Bell Biv DeVoe. Really? Okay. I'll, I'll give yeah. That works. That works. Yes. This all makes sense if you discount Johnny Gill and don't bring him into the equation. <laughs> this analogy is rock Boy, solid. <laughs> rock solid. The big plot hole, sir. Well, Johnny Gill was like he was the replacement, you know. Yeah. I mean, yeah, he came in when Bobby left. Every <laughs> I'm going to get a text from Raj where he's like, could you try and make a reference that at least 50% of the audience gets? At least a Migos reference. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think, I think that uh, Moxley would be the offset and then Roman would be uh, Quavo. Yes. <laughs> I'm nodding like I'm familiar with current. That just take off. Did you listen to uh, I have not yet. I, oh. I added it. Oh, man. I, I, I was waiting for him to have the t-shirt on this week. <laughs> <laughs> it has been a very busy couple of days. Very okay. busy couple. We forgive you. Of days. No, we understand. Edward <laughs> Cousins says Buddy Murphy is Johnny Gill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think that's more apt. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> um, the Street Profits backstage with Chad Gable interrupting, trying to get them on board with the Alpha Academy. Why is this angle a thing? The Street Profits are so much better than this. I will say they are, but I liked the fact that SmackDown kept going back to this because this in any other show or it would have just been a throwaway. But they did like right. three or four angles building this up and they didn't even do the match tonight. So they're kind of I like this kind of pacing of storytelling where things keep happening. If you watch these backstage vignettes, it's like one thing would lead to the next. It wasn't just it was like they got mad at Chad Gable, so they beat him up, and then here comes Otis, and then it like leads to something else, another promo. So it at least built interest into a match. I mean, I don't know how interested people will be in it, but this is how I like WWE building matches so they make sense as to why these guys are fighting in the tights. Yes. Yes. Yes, it's just uh, the Street Profits just had that amazing match last week and they so um, told the Usos that they weren't a stepping stone or anything like that, you know, and, and now yeah. they're just backstage, which I appreciated the continuation of it, but it's just like you guys just stop caring about the tag titles altogether because they haven't been in the tag title picture in a while. Yeah, it's been take back season and like that kind of fizzled out in terms of that even happening. I thought that yeah. was for sure going to lead to them getting mm -hmm. those titles back. That's what right. I'm saying. There's stuff that's going on that I'm really excited about, and they're not yeah. giving me that, or they're delaying it. And right. that's, you know, this is definitely beneath the street profits. I will, I will say that. I, that's how it felt to me, right? As, as good as it was, it felt like they should be doing more than this. But there's no tact in division. So I mean, what else are they? Is it their yeah. dad or the dirty dogs? Oh yeah, yeah. I suppose this is better than that. Uh, <laughs> Carmilla against Liv Morgan tonight. I hated almost everything about this. <laughs> like, this is like 
the story they told is this is for the most beautiful woman in WWE. Like, and like with those reports of the fact they need women producers, like, do they ever? I don't know how much it would. This is how you know the product's written by men. Is that like they're writing these women are fighting over who's more beautiful? Like, how many? Ronda Rousey is the highest drawing athlete in the history of UFC. Not one of those fights were built on who's hotter, Ronda or Holly. Like, that would be an insult. They built it on these women want to kill each other. And this whole who's the most beautiful woman in WWE, who cares? Like, why is that the focus of this match? Yeah, I I didn't like it at all. It it felt very diva era, you know, feud. Um, And I was, I think they're building Carmella for Bianca, maybe after Bailey, but with the release of Ruby Riot and Liv Morgan now being solo, it was sad to see her come out. I was like, maybe she'll finally get that solo run because her original, you know, return was such a mess with the whole Lana angle, right? And she just lost. So it's just like, no, that's not what I want to see. Like, I want to see her succeed if she's going to be on her own. It was just weird to see her come out alone. And I just wanted her to have a moment to build up from here because I do think Liv is talented. Um, but Carmela, she's on a winning streak. So I, I do think they're preparing her to be the next number one contender. To lose to Yaka. Terry Allen Jr., $2.70, saying Murphy could have been a main event or if allowed. I, I agree. They could have done, I mean, it's amazing. Like nothing. Did nothing with him. I love Murphy. That guy can go and he had a great look. He was shredded. And it just he's one of those guys that I think Vince just didn't see anything in. Yeah. Yeah. His match with Roman, I, uh, I, it was one of my favorites. Um, and he, 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 him and he made me care about 205 Live when he was putting some matches over there that I was like, you know what? I'm going to have to watch 205 Live just watching the gifts on Twitter. I was like, I got to tune in. And listen, I think he'll go on and, and be successful elsewhere. Yeah. Maybe not a main eventer, but like an upper echelon guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought Liv still came across well in this. I mean, she, I, I, she I think she's the most beautiful, Glenn. I don't know. <laughs> I think she has done a, a, a very serviceable job with every bad angle, bad spot, throwaway nothing match. Uh, I don't know. I feel I, like she's someone I've been rooting for since I saw her wrestling under her own name in NXT at a house show. I yeah, just think she's go. got it. Yeah. Liv is good. Like over the past year or so, I mean, maybe people don't notice it as much, but she's really improved and she's really good, has a very unique skill set in terms of the offense that she's developed. And she just doesn't get a chance to showcase that. I mean, she was kind of buried in that, that tag team with Ruby Riot, and now she's out there like on the wrong end of the stick, losing this quick match. And uh if they wanted to run with her, I think she could really knock it out of the park. It's funny, I don't know why I just thought of this, but um remember so when Enzo left and was doing his interviews and it's funny, I was just thinking of this tonight and like no trace of it, but he was saying that like, like Liv is the real deal of what Carmelo was trying to be with her old character. Like there's so much they could do with that yeah. food and given their history and whatnot. Um, and this tonight, just like to your point, yes, it felt like the most generic. Well, what do women care about? Well, they want to be the prettiest. Okay. Then that's who this is for. You know, it's just, come on guys. Like, you could have done anything with this. I love that story that you just, I mean, I did not see that, but uh, I love that story. The, like who's a queen of New Jersey or Staten Island or something like that. It gets territorial. Yeah. And then it's like, you're stealing what I used to do. I would absolutely love that. Something. Yeah, it will be better than who's the most beautiful. Yeah, yeah it's just so, 
this is one of those. This is one of those. Yeah, I would have been embarrassed for someone to walk in and like this is one of, like uh, fighting over you know somebody costing them a, a, a shampoo commercial in Japan would have been <laughs> a more meaningful storyline point. <laughs> yeah, and actually, while you say that, it just makes me think that I feel like this new character that Carmela is trying to do, she's just not one hundred percent sure. Maybe creative, don't know how to put it across because first it was the whole drinking wine, champagne, uh, you yeah. know, thing with with Reginald, and now she's just calling herself the most beautiful. I don't know. It feels like every week there's like a different thing to this character instead of just sticking to what she's supposed to be. I don't know what she's supposed to be. That and basically, that's last week she had the money on, so she was Mela is money. So it's like well, she's having an identity crisis. Yeah. <laughs> and, and that's the thing. I'm a huge fan of both of these women. And I think they have so much potential. And that's why it just angers me. It angers me that they're just getting the show. Yes, they made the most of it. But it was just it was just a bad, bad spot, bad pretense with like a little smidgen of good story. Uh, this could have meant something. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't even a good match. I didn't even like the match. I mean, it was very short and I didn't think it was anything special. Right. Yeah. They're just really not given the opportunities. Um, Mysterio's got stopped backstage. <laughs> Changed out of their gear. Just with the boots Smart on. guys. I love that they're trying to get out of the building. It reminds me of like yeah. when the Lakers hit that 0.4 second shot with Derek Fisher. Very famous shot in the NBA. The first yeah. thing they did, they ran to the locker room to get changed in case the referees reversed that decision. But they ran to the locker room so they could get changed so that they wouldn't have to play anymore. But So that's what that reminded me of. I love that. That's an awesome reference. <laughs> 2004 NBA playoffs, I believe. Yeah. Go back to watch. You'll be. <laughs> um, so yeah, they had to, to redo uh, their match in the main event tonight. Let's talk about this Bianca Belair promo tonight. Cutting it on Bailey, Bailey backstage looking like Rhoda Morgenstern with that necklace and uh, and laughing, cackling, filling up the screens uh, tonight. <laughs> I mean, okay. I'll give my opinion last. Uh, Alfred, you first. What did you think of these these promos? Oh, it doesn't sound like you're gonna like it, but that saved. I don't. The promos were whatever. It just. Uh, I'm not a fan of them building around the laughter. Uh, but the pictures of Bailey's face all over the thing made me legitimately laugh out loud. I thought it was so funny. It was such a troll move. I I, I liked it. Like it, that saved the segment. But I, I did have kind of like I was indifferent until they showed that. But I thought it was very funny. But I don't know if I'm supposed to think it's funny going into this match between these two women. Exactly. Uh, I think Bianca came out and uh, like the first word of her promos were like, people are not laughing with you. They're laughing at you. And I was like, no, I'm laughing with her. She's legitimately <laughs> funny, Bianca. <laughs> like, you know, I like you, Bianca, but Bailey's actually hilarious. We laugh yeah. with her. Um, I love when Bailey showed up and said the world doesn't revolve around you when she had posters of herself all over around <laughs> her. I appreciated that. But I did like her showing up in the Thunderdome. Like, I actually got a good laugh. That's the thing. I, I Bailey makes me laugh and and i i i like seeing her on my screen i i am genuinely entertained by her she was very entertaining i think with bianca i i worry i don't feel like they gave her the strongest it wasn't her delivery i don't think they gave her the strongest material tonight yeah i agree i thought that promo was i mean bianca belair can cut a promo and i mean it's one of those things that they script a lot of these promos and whatnot but this very much came off like somebody trying to remember what she was going to say i didn't connect to it at all <laughs> And she was talking about real, like she was talking about her, you know, collegiate career and get winning trophies and stuff like that. But the way they put this together was so kind of milk toast. And even though it was a little braggadocious at parts, like why are, I mean, it's like they're almost telling her talk like you're the underdog. Yeah. You know, I mean, I don't like take your victory lap. You know, yeah, that's a, that's a really good point. I feel like Bailey has outshined her throughout this field. I feel like Bailey came, looked, 
better at their backlash match. I think their match was weird at backlash, though. Yeah. I thought last week Bailey had my, my attention more than the match, and Bianca was in the match, and I think the promo tonight also made Bailey come out looking better. So I almost want them to end this field, get it over with, and let Bianca move on to someone to where she can be dominant and really, yeah. um, really just come out of her shell because Bailey is outstaging her, and that's not what we needed here. We needed Bianca to look stronger in her first field. Let her be champ. Let her have that attitude that we've seen from her her entire career until the build-up to WrestleMania and since. Her gimmick like, isn't on the humblest. It's like yeah. the strongest, the toughest, yeah. the fastest. Right. Like, talk your stuff, girl. Yeah. That's a good point. That's a really good point. I don't know why they're doing this. You know, it's mm-hmm. just – it's. Are they, are they pulling this shit with Rhea over on Raw? Yeah. Yeah, I'm not really. I don't know what that. I mean, that's a whole nother. I don't know if that's the better version of what they're doing. No, that's what I'm saying. Like, how are they treating? How's she faring? No, no, no. Rhea, Rhea is not it. She feels forced. Like she almost feels fake. And there's nothing fake about her or her look or her personality. But the promos that they're giving her, it's like they forgot how these two women got over in NXT so organically, and now they're just trying to put their own spin to it, where they don't need them. Both of these girls were our favorites, you know, and still are. But it's just very hard for us to get behind what they're doing to them right now because it's just it's not it. And they're doing the same to Rhea. I know you're not watching Raw. You're better off not even watching because you wouldn't like what she's doing right now. (laughs) Yeah, like she's uh, pretty much playing the role of a heel, but she's somehow more do a baby face because she's yeah. facing off with Charlotte, but they're making her look really foolish in these beat the clock matches. And it's like we're in an era right now in WWE where somebody gets hot, like Bianca and Rhea did, they win the title and then they get cold. And like I grew up with the WWE where once you won the title, that's like just the beginning. Yeah. I, I right. That whole Stone Cold, uh, the beer bath that we all remember, I think that happened after he won a, a championship. So like yes. people would get hotter after they won a world title uh, rather than getting colder. And we see it all the time now. Um, you know, you know, I watched Monday night. What do you watch? Uh, so this is like the most value I've ever gotten off like a DVD I bought on eBay. It was like 15 bucks. I bought uh, a four disc set, the best of all star family feud from the late seventies into the eighties. So I've been watching like the cast of eight is enough against the love boat, like the Brady bunch against like three's company and leave it to beaver. Like just Richard Dawson in his prime. That's what I watched Monday night. It was fantastic. Oh, I thought uh, so. It wasn't the Ray Coombs era. It was Richard Dawson. No, no, old school. I'm talking like 79, 80, like Richard Dawson, yeah. like drunk half the time and kissing everyone. Kissing people on the lips. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, so gross. So gross. <laughs> it is, but it's like, and I keep watching this and I'm like, this would not fly now. But then, like, no. people were like excited about it. Is he still alive? No, Richard, Richard Dawson died like uh, okay. maybe 10 years ago. But okay, I'm telling if you. He was, he'd get canceled. Like they would be coming oh, for I think him, they tried right? to cancel him on Twitter last year. Someone, <laughs> and it's like, guys, sorry to tell you, he's been dead for 10 years. Yeah, well, that, that doesn't stop them. <laughs> yeah, it's true. Yeah. I, I get still it. Yeah. Old family feud, man. Seeing like John Ritter, you know, seeing like the cast of What's Happening was on an episode. I was oh, stoked about cool. that. Like the Jeffersons. <laughs> Highly recommend the best of all star family feud. You can find it. Uh, it's on eBay. You can buy the DVDs for nothing. Um, Okay, so uh, I want to talk about Rick Boogs and Shinsuke versus Corbin. Uh, I'm just going to ask the question, or have they overdone this? Uh, same segment for yeah. me. Alfred, to you first, yes or no, have they overdone this? I mean, it is the same segment. I, 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 again, my enjoyment is going down, so I guess they have. I really like Pat McAfee in these segments, how just – like they just probably tell him to just go crazy over these guys. And he's really funny in that. I mean, he might be a little over the top, but he's, I think he's very funny in terms of how much he puts them over. But yeah, especially because Shinsuke lost and like, 
it just feels like these guys should be heels. That's what this is missing in terms of this going yeah. forward. But yeah, it's been very repetitive, and I would like to see some advancement. Other than the longer they just keep going back and forth over this crown, the more ridiculous it'll make them both seem. They really need to build to that one match for the crown and then move on. So yeah. I want you to talk about Apollo versus Kevin Owens and Intercontinental championship match i have an instacart order coming uh with some alcohol so i need to go show my id for that oh. so you talk about that ic title match and i'll be back and then we'll talk about the main event. okay, okay. Lit. before we go to the ic title match Issa, what are your thoughts on uh, this uh, previous segment i just wanted to go somewhere right like are we building towards a match for the crown like you said is this a king of the ring thing like what is happening here because it felt like they were doing the exact same segment for four weeks in a row, and my enjoyment does go down, but I still enjoy their their ways of getting that crown back. You know, it's just it's just I needed to go somewhere else. They, yeah. you, you did it, you get it, you got your pop. Now let's 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 do something with it. I was very surprised that they had a match tonight because the next time I want to see them have a match is just you know have the big match for the crown um, and then you know move on from it. But uh, I think yeah, that I think Corbin is like he flexes about having all of this money. So in my opinion, Corbin needs to create a new crown that looks better, and then Shinsuke needs to be shook by like there's a double crown. Which one has the powers? And then maybe you can add a layer to it. But right now it's just like I don't understand why Corbin just doesn't just say, "Well, screw you, I'll get a better crown," you know, and then yeah. and then maybe that could add a layer to it but it's been the same segment for a couple of weeks now yeah i mean i could see a ladder match for this i don't know how good a ladder match would be between I would love that. Match. Yeah. imagine just Shinsuke standing on top of the ladder just being all extra <laughs> putting the crown on <laughs> It'll be a uh, we got to the Intercontinental Championship match. So this is interesting. Uh, Kevin Owens headed to the ring. This was a match where Aziz cannot interfere uh, during the match. So to get around that, Aziz attacked Kevin Owens before the match, and that's your story of the match. Uh, a very long match that kind of went through a commercial yeah. break. I thought it would be a lot shorter given the fact that Kevin was wounded, but they really played up the fact that, oh, he doesn't have a chance. Oh, maybe he does have a chance. And then he lost to Apollo Crews. So what did you think about this booking, Isa? Um, I love the fact that he attacked him on his way to the ring. I still call him Davocado. I cannot help it. Um, <laughs> but I love the fact that he attacked him. He's smart. They're heels. Him and Apollo are heels, and that's what you should do. And it creates a sympathy for um, Kevin Owens. And you have, even though we're tired of seeing the same matches over and over again, you can repeat it again because Kevin Owens was never 100%, right? Um, I thought the match was well. Kevin Owens is such good in the babyface role. You do end up rooting for him somewhere along the line in, within the match, or at least think he has a chance. But I thought that this win does wonders for Apollo Crews because now he has another win, whether it was clean or not, against somebody else that's not Big E, and that's what he needs because he's the new heel in the company, and he needs to keep winning against different opponents to solidify that title reign. Yeah, as long as they keep him unbeaten, I'm fine with that. I mean, I would right. rather, I mean, I would like him to win a clean match here and there, but as long right. as he gets to keep winning and kind of build credibility as a champion, I'm fine with that. So um, that's fine. I, it's, it's interesting because AEW had a very finish, a similar finish a couple of weeks ago with Hangman Adam Page got attacked for a match and then lost. Right. And I had people trying to lecture me that this is a clean finish. He lost clean because it was before the match. But the story told on this broadcast, they played out the fact he got attacked. He's hurt. Uh, this is not fair. So I don't know if this is a, a little subtle shot from WWE to but it's right. very parallel. And, you know, it kind of does reinforce the idea that if somebody gets attacked before, it's still a dirty finish. And this was very creative in terms of being a heel and getting around what was supposed to be a fair rule. Like, that is even yes. more of a heelish action. So I have no problem with that type of cheating. So I like that. Um, yeah. And no, after the match, 
Uh, Sammy Zane came in and attacked Kevin Owens. So, uh, and he really going on a tirade. What do you think about this tirade? He said, You hear what he screamed at Kevin Owens? He said, I didn't kick you. Karma kicked Karma you. Did. <laughs> Karma did. He was so mad. I, I loved oh how unhinged he was. It was still funny, but he was really good in this role. I love what he was saying. Like, he was talking that. I wish he didn't look homeless. I have to point out, I know I'm talking about Seth Rollins and his suits. Maybe that's a little over the top. Well, Sami Zayn is the opposite of under, like underwhelming when it comes to his looks. And I get it, but it's just like, it's a little, it, it, it just throws you off a little bit from taking him seriously. Almost the opposite effect from Seth Rollins. I, I feel yeah. like Sami Zayn's had that. That being said, as soon as he starts talking, you just love him because he's just doing awesome work right now i thought he was gonna attack apollo i like that sammy saying he's just in the middle of every storyline so you can kind of insert him any anywhere i thought he was going after apollo but listen karma is a bitch <laughs> <laughs> no i thought it was funny. and sammy does i mean when he wants to clean up he's fine i mean he's got that famous pink blazer that he had at that premiere so i mean when he's ready to dress up he can do it Yes, yes. He just looked. He looked a little homeless for me tonight. I was like, "What is going on here?" You know, no offense, but it was just, it was too much. Yeah, he's throwing out that hair. He's really going. I think that might be what he's going for. I mean, he's acting all crazy, so the homeless look kind of plays that up. I think he's too busy like creating conspiracies. You know, like watching conspiracy <laughs> videos on the internet and all that. Yeah, I still, I'm still sad that we haven't seen the documentary. <laughs> so uh one of these days one of, i'm sure they'll show it to us maybe one of these years uh but we got the main event and it is the usos versus the mysterios for the smackdown tag team titles so they have a match uh it leads to the finish where it looks like uh dominic and either dominic or ray was getting ready to go on the top i think it was dominic uh and to go for a splash and roman reigns comes in crashes the match it results in a disqualification win for the Mysterios. Uh, so Roman Reigns just going ham on the Mysterios. He uses a steel stamp. He's screaming that they're about to embarrass a family two times. He The story is he wouldn't want the Usos to lose two times in one night, so he's just taking it into his own hands. Uh, he gets uh, uh, carried away in terms of choking out Dominic to where Jimmy Uso... Oh, he didn't get carried away. I mean, that, Jimmy, Jimmy Uso's Uso, just too sensitive. Jimmy Uso's telling him, hey, bro, you've done enough, Us. Let go, <laughs> And so uh, Jimmy Uso tries to leave. Uh, Jay Uso teases going with Jimmy Uso. Roman Reigns isn't happy with that. So now we've got Jay Uso in the middle of these two guys, uh, and it goes off the air with a cliffhanger. So what did you think about this season? I actually saw it completely different than you. This is why you got to put different people, right? Because yeah. Usually, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but, uh, they weren't going to like embarrass the family like twice in one night, I saw it as Roman Reigns is showing them how you get the work done. This is what you didn't get done, right? You're calling the shots and you can come out here and beat these guys up. This is, this is how you do it. So I, I saw it as Roman Reigns showing off, showing them how it's done. Two of them couldn't get it done. And that's why he calls the shots. That's where I think this is going personally. Um, but yeah, Jay also just looks like he's in the middle of this triangle and the cliffhanger is interesting. I want to see where it goes. This storyline has had me captivated. Even when Roman was still involved with Cesaro, I was into this. And every week I feel like they're doing a good job of building it. Not a fan of the same match twice in one night, but it was a, it was a show that told the story from the beginning to the end and leave you on a cliffhanger. So for that, well done. 
Yeah, I know. I agree that this is there is a passive aggressive element in terms of Roman Reigns trying to show them up and kind of maybe Roman Reigns trying to sabotage them because Lord right. knows how that match would have ended. I think Roman Reigns just had the character had a plan that these guys aren't winning this tag team title match by themselves without me. And, and even though they're in trouble, this is now a good opportunity for him to go in there and attack uh, the Mysterio right. and whatnot. But no, I definitely agree that this was also him trying to show the Usos how it's done and that he's the alpha. Right. So. I went oh, downstairs. hey, Albert. Yeah. Hey, so I went downstairs Alfred, and got, got my delivery. Do you have a shot for me? What, what do we get? Uh... You're not going to believe this. I walked downstairs. Guess guess what my wife is watching on TV? What? Legally Blonde. Legally Blonde. <laughs> like, <laughs> no spoilers. <laughs> no spoilers. We know you're all tuning into Legally Blonde tonight instead of this. Uh, I have fixed myself. I got the ingredients to make a salty dog, which I've oh. never had before. Cheers. I'm a uh, big fan of the Larry Sanders show and Rip Torn's character, Artie, drinks these all the time. So we're watching this afternoon. I'm like, you know, I've never had a salty dog. Like, let's let's order that. So it's just uh, vodka, grapefruit juice, and salt. Amazing. Glenn, you just went up. The Larry Sanders show is my favorite show of all time. I've really? seen the whole thing a million times. Yeah, my favorite television show of all time. Without yeah, the Larry is- Sanders show, there'd be no office. There would be no none of these, like, right. mockumentaries that curb your enthusiasm. Absolutely. Oh, it is, one it is of my favorites. Mm-hmm. probably my top three, probably my favorite of the half hour comedy variety. Oh. Hank Kingsley might be my favorite television character ever. I just think he's hilarious. Hey, he now. is like given recent things we've learned about Jeffrey Tambor and I was reading some interview. I'm like, Jeffrey Tambor basically is Hank Kingsley like in <laughs> real life. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, like it was like, he convinced us all he was playing a character all those years. And Reese is like, that was him. He didn't get sued by Drew Barrymore in the show. So, you know, <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yeah, well, I, Sanders trivia for the chat there. <laughs> yeah, this is like my fifth rewatch of the show because it's on HBO now. So we're like, we just got done. We're almost done with season one. I normally cherry pick when I go back, like, or I'll watch like different runs. I mean, this is just funny. You want to talk about keeping it in kayfabe? I had a grudge against John Stewart for years. I still do. Yeah, like I didn't want to come around because I was like, oh, what he did to Larry wasn't cool, still man. Haven't. Still haven't. I don't. I don't like that he has all the success with the Daily Show. He'll always be an enemy to me because he he took over for Larry Sanders. Spoiler alert. Did you watch the Gary Shandling documentary? From yes, that was brilliant. So good, so yeah, good. Good appetite did it. Uh, <laughs> we're just we're just gonna derail this. That would be great. Yeah, if you're watching, like, never... <laughs> Go on and like. Let me tell you the reason why. Actually, let me tie this back into wrestling. Remember when SmackDown relaunched SmackDown Live? I think a big part of the reason why it worked was it had that almost Larry Sanders-esque blend of this is what's going on on the show backstage. Daniel Bryan's freaking out about what are we going to do tonight? Who's in the main event? This person. It was almost like a little bit of like Larry Sanders meets the Muppet show. Yeah. In terms of like how they're running. And I love that mix. I wish they would go back to that. Like that's how you properly use a GM. Yeah. The pro wrestling and the Muppets have a lot of parallels in how they're constructed, where when something backstage happens, it's supposed to kind of play on to what's happening in the real show. And I think wrestling has gotten away with that. But yeah, wrestling is at its best when it operates like that, where all the stuff that goes on backstage kind of feeds into a bigger storyline. Yeah. And I think that's the thing. So I like what we saw in front of the camera tonight, but I think that's the thing. So it's like, even with Adam Pearce and Sonya Deville, I just feel like whatever drama they're going with, like they should be dealing with Paul Heyman over stuff with Roman. Like, they're booking them more like um, more like uh, officiants, you know, and right. people trying to keep the peace. Da- Daniel Bryan was great because Daniel Bryan was like Kermit the Frog when he was a SmackDown GM. <laughs> yeah. He was. 
I can see that. <laughs> now you're forcing Issa to start drinking. <laughs> so this was good tonight, but yeah. Open you and closed. You missed chat, I believe. Oh. Just Bear Hudson, $5. What did you think of the Bad Bunny talk about WrestleMania with Jay-Z and LeBron? What role does Cardi B do at SummerSlam? I loved it. Like, this is the benefit of WWE working with, like, mainstream talent who's hot right now, who's young. The shop shows like that. Like, young people watch these shows. Like, I love the shop. Um, It's got a very young uh, audience, and it's very mainstream. It's a very hot show to where, you know, maybe somebody's watching that. A lot of sports fans are watching that, and they're hearing this guy who's a rapper who's very well known talk about like, he was like really putting over WWE. I think he said it's like my biggest accomplishment in my career and how yeah. WWE WrestleMania is bigger than the Super Bowl. So you got a guy like that saying that on the LeBron James platform. This is why you need to work with uh, people who are in younger cultures. Mm-hmm. Agreed. And I think bringing Cardi B, if the rumors are true, will be helpful as well. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it'll be interesting to see where they go with it. I mean, so we still don't know with SummerSlam. It's still not official. I think we're going to see it tomorrow. Tomorrow, yes. Yeah. Tomorrow during the Belmont Stakes. I hope you're ready to host all of us. <laughs> so my, okay, so we're, this is going to be the new recurring theme. People are like so sick of me talking about moving to Vegas. We were supposed to start the renovation this week. And every day, oh, we had another thing run over. Let's see when the renovation actually starts, because that's going to be the countdown when I move to Vegas. If it's not renovated, I'll still stay. Like it's not. But we know floor. They're tearing out the floors. They're doing the demo first. I'll sleep on the oh. roof. Yeah. yeah, that's what I mean. Who said anything about sleeping? We just need somewhere to change outfits. Like that's <laughs> it. Thirty minutes from the strip, you said. It's not a, <laughs> not the most convenient. Uh, but no, I think uh, I think it's going to be good. Although I still can't get over this. When I was staying there, I spent maybe like twelve nights in this house. I sleep in that Japanese futon on the floor, and I miss it now. Now that I'm back in a regular mattress, I miss the Japanese futon and the floor. And when I was a child, my grandmother would be like, "Oh, I sleep on a board," and I'm like, "That's an old person thing." And now I get it. I understand it. It all makes sense. <laughs> uh, so this was a serviceable episode of SmackDown tonight. That's a good way to put it. I agree. Yeah, it wasn't uh, anything special. I just I continue to like the Usos Reigns thing, but uh, a lot of what else happened, I wasn't too much into. So this is really a show that's being carried by one storyline because nothing else feels hot on this show, let alone this company. <laughs> yes, I thought everything that the Usos and Roman Reigns did tonight was probably the peak of the show. Everything else, um, you can miss it if you want to see the same match twice in one night. This is your show. This was the show. So I know Legally Blonde is on. People want to get back to watch. And that is Elle going to uh, advance in her academic career. Will she reconcile with her man and prove that she has what it takes? Or perhaps will she learn a little something about herself and what really matters in life? <laughs> Legally me. Blonde streaming on the Paramount Network. Alfred, I would guess what your favorite episode of the Larry Sanders show is. Oh, please. I, I, well, I'll tell you what mine is. Okay. Hank's Night in the Sun. Yes! Oh, my God! We should have said it at the same time. I know. I'm going to stop you. If, can you imagine if I would have said one, two, three, and we said that at the same time? Hank's Night in the Sun is my favorite episode of the Larry Sanders show. Single best episode. Aww. It's the greatest. It's like part of a moment between the Damn two. It. This is beautiful. We should have said it at the same time, but Hank's Night in the Sun is my favorite episode. It's, it's really good. It's really good. <laughs> and I was bummed. So I finally got all the DVDs. And like, there's only one extra scene from that episode on there. It's like, it's short. It's just Darlene oh, talking really? to Hank. It's good. But I mean, I think they just put it all in the episode. They put it all out there. 
Yeah, apparently at uh, Larry Sanders' funeral, they filmed like a, you know, Jeffrey Tambor today and Beverly filmed like a segment. Wait, get Gary's funeral? What's that? The Gary Shanley's funeral? Yeah, Gary San- Shanley's oh, funeral. Shit. They I didn't know about this. Segment between, uh, it was Hank and Beverly, you know. But you know. Yeah, Jeffrey Tambor, I mean, I think uh, he's not going to be coming back for a revival at this point. Poor guy. Well. That's a good show, though. I've heard. I've heard. Um, he was, you know, always good in Arrested Development. What's weird is when I was watching him on Family Feud, because the Ropers, the cast of the Ropers was on Celebrity Family Feud, Jeffrey Tambor was a weird-looking guy when he was young. I mean, he was still weird when he looked older, but when he's young, you like, he never looked young. Like, he was yeah. completely bald in his, like, 30s. Early oh, 30s. he was still bald, yeah. yeah. <laughs> that, yeah. that look will age you. It will. Uh, so, okay, everyone, Legally Blonde's on. I know, I know. Wrap it up so you can go back to watching that. Uh, NYC Demon Diva, Alfred Kanawa, I'm Glenn Rubenstein. Uh, I'm going to drink about five more of these and go back to watching the Larry yeah. Sanders show tonight. Oh, yeah. Yes, almost done with season one. <laughs> almost caught up on it. And uh, we'll see you back here on Tuesday for the Wrestling Inc. podcast. Have a great weekend, everyone. Take care. Night, everybody.